0: The title of this morning's message is Living Our Kingdom Dreams. I want to talk to you this morning about having and manifesting every kingdom dream that you have. Now, when I say kingdom dreams, I'm talking about everything that is in the kingdom of God, which is also known as the kingdom of heaven, which we dream of either having or experiencing. And our dreams begin by realizing what is actually in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and also realizing that we can have what we long for. We can have what we dream of if it's in the kingdom. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 said this, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Now, We have to remember that this prayer that Jesus is speaking, he spoke prior to the cross and prior to the finished work of the cross. But what I want you to see is that these are not requests. He, of course, goes on to ask God to forgive us our sins as we forgive those. That's old covenant. (laughs) We could say, because you have forgiven me, I choose to forgive. So that's why I wanted to not go into the whole prayer. But what I want you to see in this little bit is that Jesus was making demands and declarations. Jesus didn't say, please bring your kingdom, please. Oh God, oh please. Oh God, please have heaven on earth. God, please do something. He didn't do any of that. (laughs) And unfortunately the church today does a lot of that. They're asking God to come down, to rend the heavens. God, do something. (laughs) No, these are not requests. These are demands and declarations. And this is a good example of a New Covenant believer saying, I'm not going to have anything less than what God's kingdom says I can have. I'm not going to have less than what God's will is for me. I'm going to have heaven on earth because God says I can have it. This is the attitude that comes from a believer who recognizes what he or she actually has access to. As believers, we have access to the very throne of God and all that has been made available through the new covenant of grace. As new covenant believers, it would be more accurate for us to say, thy kingdom has come through the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore thy will is done in earth the same as it is heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ in me. And that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to make a demand on my heavenly account. Now the English word, Demand usually carries a negative connotation. When we think of a demanding person, we usually think of somebody who's rude and loud and selfish. (laughs) That's not the kind of demand that I'm talking about. In Webster's 1828, we find the word demand, and it says this. It means to ask, to call for, as one who has a claim or right to receive what is sought. To claim or seek, as do by right. We have rights in the kingdom of God to make demands on our heavenly account. Another way to think of the word demand is writing a check. I can't go into the bank and write a check on somebody else's account. <laughs> my demand, my check only allows me to get what belongs to me, what's rightfully mine. That's the kind of demand Jesus was making. That's the kind of declaration Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying, no, you can have heaven on earth. You can have everything my covenant is going to give you for free. But you have to know that it's there and that it's yours. As new covenant believers, we have rights to everything that Jesus bought and paid for. We are the Mrs. Jesus. My husband and I have a joint banking account. I could take it all. (laughs) And you know what? The police wouldn't do anything about it. You know why? Because it's mine. I have a right to it. That's the kind of thinking we have to think about our relationship with Christ and all that he has, the kingdom of heaven. It's as much ours as it is his. Now, what if we got a dream? A heaven-sized dream. (laughs) A miraculous dream. An impossible dream. Where's it going to come from? Where are we going to get it? We're going to get it from him because it doesn't matter how big the dream is. He says, I got it. Everything you need is in the kingdom. We are the bride of Christ. And as his bride, we have a right to everything the bridegroom owns. All of it, all of it. That sounds so simple. But when we start to think about, I only see what I have. And I go, God, this isn't enough. (laughs) He says, I got it. It's all in the kingdom, but you got to take hold of it. You got to make a demand. You got to write a check. It should be really easy, but sometimes that's hard. (laughs) Jesus tells us that we can have heaven on earth because it is God's will for us. So often we struggle, God, do you want me well? God, do you want me prospered? God, do you want me to do this? God, do you want me to do that? God, what's your will for me? Well, he told us. His kingdom has come. What he wants is what heaven is to be here present on earth, in us and through us. Heaven, where everything is done according to God's will. That's what God wants for us. God's will, his will is that we live in the reality that we have already been translated into the kingdom or the realm of god's love power and authority we are seated in a position of power and authority in christ jesus at the father's right hand ephesians 2 4 through 6 so very familiar but god who was rich in mercy and i love the word mercy but this word mercy doesn't usually mean what we think it means mercy when we say the word mercy we think you're not getting what you deserve (laughs) thank you, Jesus, you don't punish me like I deserve. (laughs) That's not what this word is. This word is much bigger. This word mercy means compassion. Compassion means when he says he has great mercy, great compassion, it means he says, I'm going to step into your suffering. I'm going to step into your hard place. I'm going to come and bring everything that you have need of. That's compassion. See, compassion says, I'm not going to leave you the way I found you. I've come to give you everything you need for life and godliness. I've come to answer the cry of your heart. I've come to bring heaven to earth on your behalf. So God, who is rich in great compassion, for with his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, God's absolutely free, loving kindness, you are saved, healed, delivered, made whole, protected, all that's in our salvation, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of Father in heaven, and that's where we're supposed to rule and reign from, our position in Christ. We don't usually pray that way. We usually see ourselves down here, feeling like we're all alone, (laughs) feeling like nobody's listening, (laughs) feeling like we have to earn it, seeing what we lack, thinking that that's the greater reality. But when in fact, right now, we are in two places at once. We are in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And what I see when I say that is I see a bench. A nice bench, mind you, it's heaven, right? (laughs) And there's Jesus sitting on the bench and I'm sitting next to him and I'm probably 10. (laughs) And my little legs are dangling because I'm not big enough to reach the floor. (laughs) Marcel says, mine still don't. (laughs) But Jesus leans over and says, what do we wanna do today? Do you see from my point of view? Do you see above and down on everything that's created? Do you have my point of view? Do you recognize that together (laughs) we can rule and reign on the earth? We can bring heaven to the earth because Ephesians 121, we are far above all principality and power, all, not most, Okay, we are not fighting demons in the heavenlies. They're under our feet. We get to tell them what they can and cannot do and where they can and cannot go. We get to intervene with the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and say, no, I forbid it. (laughs) We're not fighting demons. They're already defeated. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but that which is to come. We need to remember where we're seated, where we're praying from. (laughs) We are seated in the victor's seat. Christ has already defeated every enemy and every power on this earth, period. And then he handed that victory to us and said, let's rule and reign together. Let's do this together. Let's bring heaven to earth. Let's exercise our kingdom dreams. In bringing our kingdom dreams to pass, we first need to know what we have in Christ and who we are in Christ. But then we also need to know that Satan will try to use the same lies that he used on Adam and Eve, which was this. God's keeping good things away from you. Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, and your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. Satan basically says God lied to you. He doesn't want you to have the good stuff. He's keeping good things away from you and Satan will tell us the same kinds of things. Satan will tell us things like it's not the right time for you to be healed. God's withholding it for some unforeknown reason which insinuates that God's withholding your healing because of something he's not going to reveal to you, which is not true. Or he'll say stuff like, look what you did. Look what you said. Oh, look what you thought. Oh my goodness. You can't possibly expect God to bless you when you do stuff like that. Satan will be happy to find ways to convince us that we have been disqualified to experience our kingdom dreams. And that's why it's so important to understand that God has already granted us Everything that's in the kingdom of heaven and the right standing, the righteousness that we need in order to operate within that kingdom. The old covenant believers knew that in order to apprehend God's blessing, you had to have right standing. Everything depended on being right with God in the old covenant. They knew that if they had right standing, every good thing was theirs. So they spent an awful lot of time making and keeping themselves right. And unfortunately, I used to do the exact same thing, trying to be good enough to be blessed, to be healed and to be accepted. It's a lot of work making yourself righteous. It's a lot of work keeping yourself holy. It's a lot of work. And it doesn't even work. (laughs) Basically, that kind of thinking has nothing to do with the throne of grace and everything to do with self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is the same thing as works. Righteousness. It's trying to earn right standing with God by doing right things. When everything is going well, self-righteousness causes us to fall into pride, thinking that we've earned God's blessing by being so good. And then when things go awry, self-righteousness makes you blame God because he has either failed to protect you or he's punishing you for something you either did or failed to do, neither of which is true. If there is some kind of failure, it's always going to be with us, (laughs) not God. And of course, God is never the one sending bad things our way, never. This natural world is still under the influence of Satan, and he's still in the business of stealing and killing and destroying. Yes, we still do have an adversary, but our Father has lifted us up in Christ Jesus into heavenly places where we can see from God's point of view from the victories already done point of view. God also what he gets to see sitting there on that bench with me is that the devil's about to get his butt kicked. When a believer begins to recognize this is where I sit. This is the truth of me. This is the power I have. This is the authority I have. I look down and through faith in the promises of God, things change by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to know that that's where we sit. That's where we sit. When we realize just how victorious we already are (laughs) and how powerful we already are and just how loved we already are, nothing will be able to stop us from living our kingdom dreams. Now you've probably run into the same problem I had before I received my healing from fibromyalgia and that's making our dream manifest. Sometimes we find it very hard to get things to manifest. I think sometimes when people get the revelation that we really do already have everything in our heavenly account, we really do already have everything we need for life and godliness, they take a stand. They declare, they make a demand, they stand and believe that they receive when they pray, and then they wait for it to show up. That's what I did. (laughs) I did my part, God. Now don't you fail. (laughs) come on (laughs) do your part (laughs) it's backwards it's backwards for many believers just getting to the point that they believe they truly believe that everything has already been given to us that all of the promises are yes and amen yes and they're already done yes they're already provided yes it belongs to me yes that that's the greater reality inside of them They get to that point and it's a major breakthrough when the light goes on and they go, oh, I'm not trying to get God to do something anymore. I'm not fasting to make God like me. I'm not spending time in worship to make God move on me. I don't manipulate God anymore. You see, there's a whole bunch of the church is trying to manipulate God. If I declare that I'm going to pray and fast until you do X, Y, or Z, that's a human being trying to get God to move. That's a human being saying, God, you haven't done anything. When that's not the truth of who we are. We are not beggars trying to get a God to do something. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. And we're supposed to be ruling and reigning because he says it's his will. It's his will that we have heaven on earth. It's his will that our our needs are met. It is his will that we're healed. It is his will that we walk around and do the same things Jesus did. So, like me, I got to that point. That light went on, I was like, okay, I'm not trying to make God give me something anymore. I believe it's already mine. I believe I've already got it. That light goes on, you say, yes! Oh, the whole this whole time, it was in me the whole time, and I acted like it was far away in heaven. Now, what happened to me was, I asked God for healing, believed I received when I prayed, and then I went, let's see, am I different? <laughs> Does it feel different? Then what am I doing? Is that faith? God, did you fail? <laughs> now there's nothing wrong with checking if you when you believe. Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with checking, okay? But what I did was like, oh, I'll know it's really mine when I feel it. Is that the way we get stuff from God? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're gonna feel it when our heart is fully persuaded. It's a big deal to get to that point when you know it belongs to you. But it can also be very frustrating because you know it belongs to you. <laughs> you know you, should, you have what God says you had, but we're not being able to walk in it. We're not being able to make that demand. We're not being able to pull it out. And usually what we end up doing is waiting and doing nothing. I'm waiting on God. God's gonna do it one of these days. That's not faith. <laughs> faith says, I've already got it. I really already got it. I told a friend of mine some time ago, we were talking about healing and believing that we're healed. And sometimes when, when well, we're believing that we're healed because when I went to God and I said, why aren't I healed? He said, keep believing. <laughs> how long, God? And <laughs> he didn't say anything. He said, just keep believing. Keep going to the Word. Keep seeing the miracles. Keep seeing the reality. You've got to persuade your heart. In other words, I'm not keeping it from you, sweetie pie. It's yours for the taking. But your heart believes something different. You see, our emotional heart believes what we physically feel. So if I feel pain, my heart tells me, oh, you're not healed. <laughs> Oh no, see God didn't do anything. We have to override what our physical body tells our heart. (laughs) We've got to see ourselves at the right hand of the Father saying, no, I'm not having anything less than what God has for me. I'm not accepting this sickness and disease. I'm not having poverty and lack. I'm not having broken relationships. I'm not having it. God said I can have heaven on earth and that's what I'm gonna have. Anyway, I was talking to my friend about physical healing in particular and I told her, We don't practice on vital organs, (laughs) okay? Not all of us are Andrew Womack. Fall down, break your leg, get up, run on it, home. We haven't developed our ability to take hold of the kingdom of God the same way he has developed it. Now, can we do it? Absolutely. See, see, he's convinced. Heaven belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. Satan, you're not stealing my leg. You're not stealing my walking. He got up and declared, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed in the name of Jesus. And he acted on his faith. We don't always do that. (laughs) We're not always good at it. It takes practice. So I was telling my friend, if you're believing for healing for a vital organ, we don't practice on our vital organs as far as not checking to see that we have received, okay? Lawson Purdue from Keris, he says it this way, don't practice faith on your kid's body. In other words, you pray and lay hands on them, but if they're not receiving, you get that baby to the doctor, <laughs> okay? Don't be so prideful that you think that you can do it all by yourself when it doesn't appear to be working. God always releases. God always gives, but sometimes we're not very good givers, receivers, takers. So he, he says, "Don't practice on your babies if it doesn't seem like it's working. Get that baby to the doctor." But God, why? Because it's, it, it doesn't. You haven't been able to receive it. We have to be wise. We don't mess with faith with our vital organs when we may or may not have had it. And that's the thing I'm talking about. Sometimes we believe because we believe. We know we believe. and God, I, I ask you, I believe I receive when I pray. Maybe we feel different, maybe we don't. But if it's a vital organ, get a doctor to verify it. Now, I, I say this because I think sometimes people believe they receive when they pray about something, a vital organ, and they haven't actually received it yet. It hasn't manifested. So they're walking around believing they have something that hasn't manifested yet. If you believe God has healed your heart, if you go to the doctor, they'll tell you if you have you have manifested yet, right? They'll tell you, no, you, either you still have that problem, which means we need to keep believing, okay? Now, I say this because I think people get into that place between I believe I have it, but it hasn't manifested yet. And if it's a serious issue and it hasn't manifested the healing yet you need to have it looked at (laughs) god uses doctors okay i like this because so often i think christians get stubborn about how their faith is working did i receive i believe i received it hasn't manifested yet and it's in between i know i have it and there it is there's a little space there (laughs) Sometimes we live in that little space for a while. And that's where I lived. I lived in the, I know I have it, but it's not manifested yet. And that's when God said, no, just keep believing, keep standing. You got to get your faith to work. It will work. (laughs) But in the meantime, if you need a doctor, go to a doctor. Now I say that, because, and I know some people who believe in faith and grace, they won't tell you that, okay? One of the things Jesus did was when he came across ten lepers. The lepers cried out and said, Have mercy on us. What is mercy? Compassion. Enter into my suffering and take it away. That's what they asked for. Enter into my suffering and take it away. And he so he said to them, Go show yourself to the priests. Now, isn't that a funny thing to say? <laughs> Obviously, the lippers had heard him ministering. All the things he was doing, saw him do great miracles. And all he says to them is, go show yourselves to the priests. That is the equivalent of me saying, go show yourself to the doctor. If you believe you receive when you pray and you don't see the manifestation, go to the doctor. The priests were the doctors of the law. They're the ones that declared you healed declared you whole, declared that what you think you got, you really got, okay? It's important that we understand that sometimes there's a gap between I believe I receive when I pray and there it is. (laughs) And if we're in that place, it is perfectly appropriate. You see, what I like about this, what they did is they actually exercised faith. They acted on what Jesus told them to do. Why would you go show yourselves to the priest? because you're healed and want it verified so you can go back to your family and community. The scripture tells us, and as they went, as they acted on what God said to them, they received. We could say that they must have believed they received at the hearing of Jesus's words, because they started towards the priests. They acted on what Jesus told them to do. They did something doing something is one of the ways that we make a demand on our heavenly account. When we have faith, that faith produces a corresponding action. I say this because I think sometimes people stop short of releasing their miracles or retaining their miracles because they're still waiting to feel like they got a miracle. The truth is if we believe we are waiting on God to do something, we will be waiting a long time. because God has already granted us everything we need for life and for godliness. He just needs us to believe it, to receive it, and then to act on what he says. Like the 10 lepers, we too need to hear what Jesus says to us personally. How do we make a demand? How do we take hold of what belongs to us? In Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples about having faith in God's goodness and in the reality of God's kingdom. It starts and he says this to his disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you a little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This passage, of course, is about receiving what we need by trusting in our Father's goodness. (laughs) He tells them that it's his pleasure to give them the kingdom. He wants us to operate in all that the kingdom has. (laughs) everything we need for life and godliness. But he also tells them that fear and, and worry is of absolutely no value and is a complete waste of our time. And that is actually a lack of trust in their father's goodness and provision. So he tells them, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? years when I read this, I thought Jesus was saying, you don't have to do anything. Just trust God. (laughs) Well, to start with, trusting God is everything. But (laughs) what I saw this last week surprised me. The ravens didn't just sit in their little nests and wait for food to come to them. The ravens went out looking for the food they knew they would find. In essence, they knew God had already provided what they needed, and they acted in that knowledge. Jesus also told them, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Again, I always thought Jesus was saying, look, they don't do anything and God takes care of them. But that's not what he said. (laughs) That's what I heard, but that was not what he said. He said, consider how they grow, how they grow into becoming beautiful lilies. They had to grow up into their beauty and their fullness. They were doing something. They were growing. And they were growing by taking in what the Father had already provided for them. When it comes to living in our dreams, our kingdom dreams, whether it's taking hold of our healing or our provision or anything else we have need of, we must first believe and trust in the Father's goodness. God's basically saying, look, you see, I take care of everything. I take care of everything. What makes you think I won't take care of you? He wants us to trust our Father's goodness and our Father's kingdom because it's ours. All of it's ours. We must believe that what He said He wanted for us is the truth. He has given us a kingdom in everything that's in it. And He wants us to have it, to take it, and to keep it. One of the things the Lord was talking to me lately is about how I finally actually got a hold of my healing and managed to keep it. (laughs) I had prayed many times. I had been prayed for many times. And every time I was prayed for, I was waiting to receive. I was waiting for something to be different. When Mark and I went to a Gospel Truth Seminar, however many years ago that was, (laughs) I went forward at the end of the service to have a prayer minister pray with me. And she did. And she asked me if I could do something I couldn't do before. And I said, I have lots of drugs, so I can do anything I want. (laughs) I can't tell by how I feel if anything is different. She said, Okay, then go home and write in your Bible, this is the day I received my healing. I said, Okay. And I said, I know the principles. (laughs) I'm trying to work the principles. I know how it's supposed to work. I believed I received. We got in the car. My husband and I were on vacation. And uh, I said, let's go get a hamburger. And he's like, a hamburger? And I said, I want gluten. I am healed in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to eat gluten. And this terror came over his face. And I thought, oh, you don't believe me. <laughs> and he goes, what if you don't really have it? And I thought, oh, what if I don't really have it? He goes, because he knew if I had eaten any gluten, I would be puking my guts out the next day and be incapable of standing vertical for the next three. When I got sick, I got sick. And he's like, you're going to ruin our entire vacation? You really want to do that? And I saw that he didn't believe with me, and I thought, maybe I don't have enough faith on my own. Maybe he's right. And we didn't go get a hamburger. (laughs) Several days later, we went to Gregory Dickhouse Church. (laughs) And the pastor of that church said, I'm going to have a special altar call meeting here. If you have something incurable, please come forward. Let's see what God is going to do. And I go, God, I know I already received. What do I do? He says, get your butt up there. Okay, God. (laughs) So I went up and there was six of us, seven of us. And he was on a platform and he just walked by and he touched each one of us on the head and asking God to display his glory. Show your love. I was the only one that fell out. And if you've never fell out, it's not something you do on purpose. (laughs) You just wake up on the floor. (laughs) I could tell the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. Now I didn't know what he was doing. I just stayed down there and enjoyed it for a while. It was good stuff. And I went back to my chair and I didn't feel any different. Felt good. It Feels good laying out in the spirit. (laughs) But I didn't feel like I was physically different. So I didn't believe I actually had what he gave me. I was waiting to feel different. And then, several years later. I'm still believing. I'm still looking at the scriptures. I'm still declaring. And it is a big deal when we get to the point we go, I know that I know that I know. And I'm not gonna have anything less than what my Jesus paid for. I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna believe. I don't care how long it takes, I'm not gonna give up. But what I kept doing was I don't feel any different. I guess I didn't get it. Finally, at yep, Caris Bible College, Barry Bennett, he has lots of good stuff on, online, lots of the healing classes and everything, how to receive, how to make a demand on God's goodness. And you know, it sounded really scary, because he, what he was saying is, when you believe you receive when you pray, you need to act on what you believe you received. He teaches healing all over the world. And people will come up afterwards and say to him, I believe I received when I pray. Should I quit taking my medicine? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> Why? Because they don't actually believe they received. They believe God's word is true. They believe God's, God has it for them. They believe it belongs to them. They haven't actually taken it because if they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew that they were healed, they wouldn't even ask. Do I need my medicine? You see, I as a minister, as a believer, can't tell you. (laughs) Stop taking your medicine. No, only the Holy Spirit can tell you that. And you have to know that you know that what you did is you received. When he was talking about making a demand, he tells the story about Carly Teradaz, who was allergic to oranges and orange juice. Like she couldn't even be in the same house with oranges. And so Carly Terradez, also a minister at Keras, decided, hey, I can have heaven on earth. I can have what I need. I think I'm going to get healed today. You see, that used to be a very strange idea to me, that I could decide to have what God says I already have. But she, it became real to her. So she got a friend. And this is how one of the ways that Barry says you can make a demand agree together join your faith with somebody else's faith and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're taking what you're asking for it's given so she did that she went and bought oranges and orange juice and she called a friend and they prayed together and she drank orange juice and never got sick she made a demand based on the revelation that she already had in her heavenly count what she needed, and she took it. She acted on what she believed. You see, I never got around to acting on (laughs) what I believed. I just kept saying, oh, I guess I didn't get it. Finally, when I learned all of this stuff, I asked God, do I have enough faith? To get what I want. You see, for years I had been trying to build my faith to have enough faith to take hold of what God wants me to have. And I found out in Karis, I already have the very faith of Jesus. My faith works just fine. Faith was never my issue. Unbelief. You see, when we believe what we feel, that's believing on. <laughs> and we all do it. We all believe what we feel. So, I had been seeking God, how do I get it? How do I take it? I know it's mine. And he said, okay, go to church on Sunday and pray in agreement with your pastor. That's the way you're gonna act on it. I want you to do the same thing Carly did. I want you to pray in agreement with your pastor, believe you receive when you pray and then act on it. Okay. I went to church. They have prayer ministry during the worship as well. And I went forward, and my pastor never asked you what your problem was because he didn't care. He said, I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what you're sick. I don't care what you're, if you need permission. He says, you're here to get what you need. I'm going to agree with you're getting with what you need. And so he said, be loosed in the name of Jesus and be prospered in the name of Jesus. I said, amen, high five, went back to my chair. <laughs> I didn't stop to check on it. Something happened to my brain. I didn't stop to check to see if I actually received. I just knew that I did. And then when I got back to my chair, the power of God opened up in my chest like a fountain. and I was just covered in his his presence and his glory and his love and his goodness and his compassion. And I heard God speak audibly in my ear and say, you can quit taking all your medication for fibromyalgia. I told my husband, I'm acting on this, I'm healed in the name of Jesus for real. I got it today, I got it today, and I'm not letting go of it. That day came the end of the day, time to take all my drugs. (sighs) Am I gonna act on it? Yeah. I didn't need a doctor to tell me to quit taking my meds. I knew that I knew. Interestingly enough, I didn't feel any different. You see, how I felt with drugs was pretty good. (laughs) When I quit taking the drugs, I felt exactly the same as if I had taken them. Now, it took me about two years from walking in 85% wholeness to walking in 100% wholeness. Not because God didn't give me it, but I had unbelief. I kept believing how I felt. No, in the name of Jesus, I'm not giving this up. I'm not gonna go back. I'm not gonna let go. This is mine and I'm staying with it. I have received, I have believed. The glory of God is in me and on me. But I had to act on what I believed. That's something I think we forget about the acting part, the part that releases the power of God. Faith will cause you to do something. And we don't do something to make faith work. I know sometimes people will go have a prayer for their eyesight. What they say is, I believe I received so I'm taking my glasses off. <laughs> but if you can't see with your glasses, you need to put them back on. <laughs> That's the truth. Till you know that you know that you know, and it manifests. Andrew Wama tells of a story of a woman who, who did that. She went forward at a, at a gospel truth seminar. They prayed for her eyes. She took off her glasses. She didn't drive wise woman she didn't drive without her glasses but she refused to put them on and it took about three days and then she said well all of a sudden wham well she was activating her faith she was acting on what she believed what she was doing didn't cause it her believing caused it and that's why sometimes we get we get mixed up if i do the right thing it's see it's not a formula it's not a formula it's a relationship where god says you need to know where you sit You need to know what belongs to you. You need to believe you receive when you pray, and you need to know when it's manifested. You need to know, I want it for you. You have to act on your faith. You have to make a demand. Everything we dream for, everything that's in the the kingdom, you can have because you already do. That's hard for us sometimes to believe that we already have what we can't see and to stay faithful until it manifests. But that's what I want you to think about. When I was preparing this message, I thought, you know, I don't think I dream big enough. God says I can have everything heaven has. Perhaps I'm not dreaming as big as heaven is. We can have not only everything God has, but all of God. That's the amazing thing. God has not restricted how much of him we can have. (laughs) We have the unending supply of the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to be successful at walking in the kingdom and walking in heaven on earth. So that's my challenge for you this week. Is dreaming big enough? Are you acting on what you believe? Do you have a word from God? I see, every step of the way, God gave me a word. Every step of the way. Why? So I could act on His word. I was just a little bit of a slow learner. <laughs> but I got what I needed, and God was never withholding it. We can have what we need. God is not keeping it from us. We may need to press in and overtake the unbelief in our heart. Quit listening to how we feel, because it's it's not the boss. <laughs> Jesus is, and he's already given us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? Father God, I thank you that you are a good, 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 good Father, and you love us with an everlasting love. If only we understood the depths of how great, how long and high and wide and deep is your love for us. Oh, Father, I ask that you open our eyes Open our understanding to know this love, to be able to trust your goodness, to trust that you already have said yes and amen to all of the promises. Help us, Father God, to step out on your word to us. Help us to step out and believe that we receive and other people receive when we pray for them, Father God. Help us to grow up into all that you have for us. Like the lilies, sometimes we struggle with our growing but we don't grow apart from you. We grow into you and up into you and into fullness. And you're always providing everything we need for us to grow up into all that you've called us to be, all that you've ordained that we should walk in. Father God, I ask you help us to dream bigger. Dream bigger and receive all that heaven has. And I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.